Talk 1110-993-WBT, the Pete Callender Show. Hour number two underway. This is it. You're already here for it. Thanks a lot for uh, hanging out. So do you want to hear Ben Sass? I don't know. I was listening to some of his opening arguments or his uh, opening statements, and I think he's doing a pretty good job. So I rewound the tape. Not really a tape, full disclosure. Uh, but this is C-SPAN, and I, I think he was on a roll. I think it's going to be good. Let's take a listen. Constitutional duty to advise the president on his nominee to the Supreme Court. The Senate's advice and consent clause in our role is especially important these days when we all, Republicans and Democrats, agree that the nine justices of the court exercise a lot of power over policy decisions. Surely much, much more power than our Constitution's framers ever anticipated. So let's talk about how we got into this mess. Yes. We're here in part because of decades and decades of recklessness by all three branches. Not just one, but by all three. Congress, the Article I branch, fails to carry out our tasks responsibly and regularly. Rather than make tough policy choices, we pass incredibly vague laws and then just push the details on down Pennsylvania Avenue to unelected bureaucrats in the Article II branch. Then the head of the executive branch, meanwhile, whichever party he or she comes from, grabs more and more power with their pens and their phones. And finally, the That's Supreme Obama Court reference. at the top of Article 3 tends to overstep the bounds that the Constitution sets on judicial power. The court has ignored restrictions on its authority, inserting itself into policy debates that are supposed to be entrusted exclusively to the two political branches. And what do we mean by that? What do we mean when we say Articles 1 and 2 are political? It means that the people are in power over Articles 1 and 2, but not in the long term over Article 3. The men and women in Article 1 and Article 2 are supposed to be answering directly to the American people, and importantly, the American people get to hire us or get to fire us every two, four, or six years. But rather than honor the roles given to each branch, activist judges usurp the powers given to Articles 1 and 2 which Articles 1 and 2 were complicit in this overreach. Many years of corroding our constitutional order have contributed to the polarization and the viciousness that are poisoning our politics more broadly. We all know that our civic health and our civic life is not healthy. True. And as was mentioned at the beginning of the hearing, it's at least good that this one uh, got kicked off without a bunch of yokels having to be arrested and carried from the room. When Chairman Grassley tried to speak a couple years ago at one of these, it took like an hour to get started. That kind of nonsense, the theatrics that happen at these hearings are because of a broader problem. As textualists and originalists have sought to return the court to its historic role, the Supreme Court nomination process has been increasingly punctuated with not just those theatrics, but also with lots of personal attacks. That's not what this process is supposed to be. This process is supposed to be a careful, thorough investigation of a nominee's record to help the Senate make an informed decision on a nominee's fitness for a lifetime appointment. That's why these hearings are supposed to be different, not because people act like jack wagons, but because the. <laughs> oh, no, it stopped. Oh, man. C-SPAN, you're killing me. Oh, it's Precisely back. because it's a lifetime responsibility. Oh, we're back. But we know that it's been a long time since this process has worked like that. Instead, this is often a staging ground for nasty, evidence-free personal attacks. 
We started down this road of character assassination in the 1980s with Judge Bork's hearings, and senators have been engaged in disgusting theatrics ever since. The most recent Supreme Court nominee was subjected to repeated accusations that were nothing more than unfiltered religious bigotry against her. The nominee before her was accused of serial rape. Uh, yeah, he goes on. Also, he talks about in the 80s. I'm going to stop aided it. Aided by members of this committee. Okay. Aided by members of this committee. Because I don't think this is going to, I think it's going to uh, eventually cut off. Well, all right, we'll just, okay, fine. It's already stopped three times. So let's, let's see how long. If this process were go. conducted in good faith, Miguel Estrada and Janice Rogers Brown might well be on the Supreme Court today. But their opponents lied and bullied rather than accepted principled minority judges. We've gotten so used to this kind of bullying that two years ago, the current Senate Majority Leader stood on the steps of the United States Capitol and screamed threats against two sitting justices. of. Yeah, so there it goes. It just stopped again. That they would reap the whirlwind. Remember Chuck Schumer? They'll reap the whirlwind. But now it's their candidate, it's their nominee, and they're going to get the seat. And so now, how dare you ask her about her judicial philosophy? Now we're going to pretend that they haven't been behaving in the most disgusting way when it comes to Republican nominees for the Supreme Court. They, they've done it with all of them. Uh, Gorsuch, they did it with, I mean, obviously... Clarence Thomas and Bork. And for me, the, because I was too young when Clarence Thomas was going through his confirmation hearing, who, by the way, led by Joe Biden. Joe Biden has zero credibility when it comes to the uh, the topic here of, you know, political niceties in the nomination process in the confirmation hearing he has zero credibility he ran the circus that was the clarence thomas hearings um and he is engaged in he he was also part of the they call it borking now robert bork he led the charge on that as well he's just a he's just a terrible terrible standard bearer for this topic so i'm I'm curious to see if anybody even tries to bring him out to say anything. Uh, like, of course they will. Of course they will, because they have no shame. They're going to bring him out, and he's going to say something, and people on the right are going to be all mad about it, and the left gets, yeah, the, I, I wouldn't be surprised. But Sass is exactly right. This has been a downward spiral in in civic interactions. And for me, the Kavanaugh hearing, that was radicalizing. For me, that was radicalizing. I recognize this about myself. I, f- I fully acknowledge, yeah, it, I became so angry at the, at the obvious, obvious lies that were being promulgated. There are people still to this day that believe those lies. To this day. That, hashtag Blue Anon. That's it, Blue Anon. They believe the narratives that got... That got crafted, and you could see it happening in real time. You could see it happening day by day, and I, I was monitoring them all, and we were pulling audio, doing the show, and it was outrageous. And I still don't think people on the left understand how mad people on the right got. I didn't even care about Kavanaugh. I didn't. I didn't even 
Who's this guy? I would probably thought I, I probably would have been more angry if they had not done what they did. I would have been more angry if um, because he wasn't on the original list that he got pumped to the head of the line. That would have ticked me off more. I probably would have aimed my fire back onto him. But because of what the left did, I was like, I don't care. Put him in. And that's probably not the best way to decide who should be a judge. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right, Josh Hawley is now up in questioning. Let's, let's see if I can take a listen here onto the C-SPAN. Oh, yeah. Why not wait until the hearing and uh, spring them on Judge Jackson, as it were? And my answer to that is very simple. I'm not interested in trapping Judge Jackson. I'm not interested in trying to play gotcha. I'm interested in her answers because I found in our time together that she was enormously thoughtful, enormously accomplished, and I suspect has a coherent view an explanation, and a set of thinking, way of thinking about this that I look forward to hearing. And I think she deserves the chance to talk about it. I think the American people deserve the chance to hear her answers. So they're my concerns, Judge. They're the cases. I I imagine there'll be others that we can talk about on other subjects, but I'd like to talk about those so you know exactly where I'm coming from. Thanks again for giving me the time a few weeks ago. Congratulations again. I look forward to finally hearing from you tomorrow. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Senator Hawley. Uh, certainly the judge deserves to be heard on that type of a charge. Senator Corona. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Oh, my gosh. The Senate idiot. Judge Jackson, aloha to you and your family uh, and all of your friends. I also note that uh, there are members of the U.S. House here to support you, as well as members of the public. So aloha to all of you. Congratulations. Judge Jackson, on all that you have accomplished throughout your life and career. I realize that uh, a lot of your background and experiences have already been cited, but uh, there are things that are worth repeating, so no. I'm going to repeat some. So, no, yeah. yeah. Well, this is, we, this is the portion where everything has been said, but not everybody has said it. And so that's where we are now, so we're out. I thought maybe Maisie was going to say something stupid, because she says a lot of stupid things, so... No, she she wasn't. She's just going to read the resume for half an hour. No, probably not half an hour. I think they have like six minutes or ten minutes or something. I do want to go back and get the rest of that uh, Ben Sass uh, opening statement because he was on a path there. And then it, I well because she, okay, so C-SPAN lets you watch live, or you can watch from the beginning. But when you start watching from the beginning. You can only go up to the part where you said watch from beginning. Like it stops it and then goes back. So you can't you can't ever get back to going live. So I apologize for that. Um, got a tweet here from You're Not the Boss of Me who says, Pete, more Mitch McConnell impressions, please. Impersonations, or I should say. She wants more of them. I'll say, well, I mean, you got to work it in naturally. You know, you don't, I can't do it if you're asking me to do it. Um, This is Board Schiff. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the wrong name. It's all a distraction, says Sheldon wants Ketanji uh, Brown Jackson on the Supreme Court, but not as a dinner guest at his club. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's. Because he belongs to these whites-only clubs. Like, what's up with that? In Rhode Island. Um, 
This is Karen Townsend writing at hotair.com. Senate minority, yeah, Senate minority leader Mitch McConnell did not vote to confirm Ketanji Brown Jackson when her nomination to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit came before the U.S. Senate in 2021. And he said he's going to wait until she answers questions in the confirmation hearings. He said that during the traditional introductory meeting with her in his office, she refused to say if she supports packing the Supreme Court by expanding the number of justices. And by the way, lefties know packing the court does not mean filling vacancies. Packing the court means adding seats, stuffing it, growing it, and putting all your people in all of those newly created vacant seats. He asked because um, both Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Justice Breyer gave their opinions on the subject, both answered that they do not support expanding the Supreme Court. And by not answering a pretty basic question, she likely will not get many Republican senators to vote in her favor. When she was nominated by Biden, McConnell released a statement that foreshadows a no vote from him. It was cordial, but firm. And here's what he said. Quote, I voted against... That's wrong. I voted against... Confirming Judge Jackson. I'll work on it. I'll work on it a bit. Okay. I vote. I sound like I'm talking through a COVID mask, though. I voted against confirming Judge Jackson to her current position less than a year ago. And since then, I understand that she's published a total of two opinions, both in the last few weeks, and that one of her prior rulings was just reversed by a unanimous panel of her present colleagues on the D.C. Circuit. Awkward. I also understand Judge Jackson was the favored choice of far-left dark money groups that have spent years attacking the legitimacy and structure of the court itself. With that said, I look forward to carefully reviewing Judge Jackson's nomination during the vigorous and thorough Senate process that the American people deserve. All right. I agree with Karen Townsend. She's going to be confirmed. Ketanji Brown-Jackson is going to be confirmed by the Senate. She's going to replace Justice Breyer when he steps down. The question is, how many Republicans are going to vote for her? KBJ, which is that that's what we have to do now. All the female justices that go by their uh, the three names, they, they all get the, uh, the acronym. KBJ, ACB, RBG. Yeah, because Sonia Sotomayor, she doesn't get SS. Sorry. Uh... Elena Kagan, she doesn't get Eck. She doesn't get the EK. Um, KBJ, she gets the acronym. She doesn't need any Republican votes to be confirmed. If every Democrat is there, present to vote and do so, she'll be a feather in Biden's cap to be able to brag about bipartisan support if if she's able to get a couple of Republicans on board. You know, Susan Collins, Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski types, you know, Lindsey Graham might even. But then the Kavanaugh nomination happened. Democrats outdid themselves to show what hideous cretins they can be. And I think Graham still smarts from that epic battle. We'll know more as the week proceeds. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Ketanji Brown-Jackson, she's going to get confirmed. And... um, 
as Karen, uh, Karen Townsend, yeah, Karen Townsend at hotair.com says, the question is, how many Republicans are going to vote for her? And so she runs through a couple of them, uh, like the usual suspects, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Mitt Romney. And generally speaking, historically, Republicans have always uh, have always sort of gone along with whomever the nominee happens to be, because that's the right of the president that to make a nomination, the Senate advises and consents, and they generally have gone along with that process. Most of them, the vast majority of Republicans vote for these, uh, these Supreme court justices, not so much on the other. Uh, sorry. That's another rule. Another rule is, uh, if you're a Republican, then you generally are, you know, supposed to vote for the Democrat nominees. If you're a Democrat, you can call them gang rapists and vote. No, that's the rule. I don't make them. Sorry. But that whole um, Kavanaugh hearing, the confirmation process, Townsend seems to think that Lindsey Graham, that that may have radicalized him in much the same way it radicalized me. And um, maybe he doesn't go along and play nice anymore with the with the Democrat nominees. I think he will, though. What we won't see is the kind of hearings that Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett endured at the hands of Democrat opponents. Right? We're not going to hear anybody insult her faith like Senator Feinstein did with Barrett. I seriously doubt any Senate Republicans are going to go back, find any uh, yearbook pictures and ask inane questions about college slang and party language and did you drink beers? In the end, the Senate will do their duty and hold hearings and question the nominee when the time comes for a full Senate vote. She's going to get confirmed, and I tend to agree. Um, unless, of course, something comes out of these cases that Hawley ran through, which I missed. I'm sorry. I was trying to grab it live, but we were in break. So it, it, it it's fine. I'm going to go back and pull some audio, some of the highlights. And... Um, we can take a listen to some of them tomorrow, but I am curious, and I think we're probably going to have more of the fireworks, if there even are any. I think that would probably be more than likely going to happen tomorrow during the Q&A when she gets a chance to respond to this stuff and, and Hawley gets to go through these cases with her. And he said, you heard him say it, that I'm giving you a heads up on this so you're not blindsided because I'm not going to do to you what the Democrats did to our nominees. We are going to treat you better than they treated our people. Now, at some point, maybe Republicans shift gears on that approach. I don't know. Hawley, uh, this is Jeff Charles at redstate.com. He brought up legitimate concerns about her record as a trial judge when it comes to her sentencing decisions in child pornography cases. And the left erupted in an explosion of hand wringing and pearl clutching. Leftist author and pundit Ellie Mistal dialed the hysteria up to 11 during an appearance on MSNBC in which he pretended Hawley was trying to incite violence against the judge. Quote, he's trying to get violence done against a Supreme Court nominee. What? That's insane. Senator Dick Durbin went on to ABC News and said, Judge Jackson has been scrutinized more than any person I can think of. Yeah, like Clarence Thomas would agree with that, right? He had it easy. Nobody even looked into Brett Kavanaugh's past. 
It's Judge Jackson who's really being scrutinized now. This is so unfair. Oh, but then it's Dick Durbin, so nobody cares. Um, CNN then came to uh, Judge Jackson's defense. CNN reporting, reporting, quote, It's also not surprising that Jackson's sentences ended up lower than the guidelines, as it has become a norm among judges to issue sentences below the guidelines in these child porn cases. If they don't involve producing the pornography itself, you so apparently you just look at it and that gets you the lighter sentence. But if you don't do it, you don't take the picture. You can just look at the picture, and that's why, like, the sentence structure was somewhere in the neighborhood of like twenty to fifty months in prison, and the state recommended twenty-four months, and Jackson gave the person three. That's why, because they didn't take the picture. They just looked at it. The guidelines are viewed as out of date by many judges. How many? We don't know. CNN doesn't want to tell us. But by many judges. Many judges. That's lazy journalisming right there. Particularly for how they treat the use of computers and other elements that can enhance a sentence under the guidelines. They don't like it. The outlet also argued that less than a third of the non-production child porn defendants received sentences within the guidelines. You get that? Non-production child porn defendants. That's what they're calling them. Non-production child porn defendants. Less than a third of them got sentences within the guidelines. So basically, they're saying, look, lots of judges let the kitty porn people go. So it's okay if she did too. This is just what they do. I am kind of curious, how many of the judges, can we get a breakdown of political and judicial philosophy for these judges? I'm kind of curious what that might look like. Kavanaugh, right, it wasn't enough to raise concerns from his records and question his experience. No, the left mobilized to concoct an entire false smear campaign designed to make him look like a rapist despite lacking a shred of uh, credible evidence and shaky testimony from one of his accusers. Even after the second and third accuser stories were revealed to be lies, the left continued in its effort to smear Kavanaugh. These same people are now taking umbrage at Senator Hawley for raising legitimate questions about Jackson's record, which is a normal part of the confirmation process. So, right, it's Calvin Ball, people. Those are the rules. Talk 1110-993-WBT, Pete Callender Show, 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Got an email to Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. Says, Kavanaugh turned out to be probably not worth the effort. I think they scared him. But I would drag this woman in the hearings just to get even. They won't, though. GOP senators like to believe that nonsense about the world's greatest deliberative body. While the Democrats treat it like the war it is. That's why we need like a Senator Paul Gosar or MTG. They won't get much accomplished, but they're the equivalent of tossing a grenade into the venerated hearings where Dems tee off, but Republicans leave their guts on the uh, at the door. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's. The, the problem with hiring monsters to fight monsters is you end up with more monsters. That's the problem. 
I understand though why I understand why people get fed up and they're like, screw it, I'm just gonna, you know, take the gloves off or put the gloves on. Which is it? Do you take the gloves off? I've never known this. Do you take like you take the gloves off like in hockey? So you take the gloves off and then you start fighting. But in boxing, which is all just fighting, you put the gloves on. So it kind of, yeah, it could be either one. All right, so here's uh, Lindsey Graham's opening statement. Let's uh, take a listen to a little bit of this. Today. Uh, you have worked hard all your life, and um, you have much to be proud of. I have said in the past, and I think it's good for the court to look like America, so count me in on the idea of making the court more diverse. And in the history of our country, we've never had an African-American woman serve on the court. But I also said that didn't get much coverage. I want, I want, the, I want the court to play a particular role in America. One is make it more look like the country, but also make it operate in the confines of the Constitution. That didn't, didn't get a lot of coverage. Um, so the hearings are gonna be challenging for you, informative for the public, and respectful by us. I hope we can meet that, those criteria. Um, it won't be a circus, we're off to a good start. Uh, Chairman Grassley couldn't get first word out of his mouth before they shut down the place, so that's off to a good start. Most of us couldn't go back to our offices during Kavanaugh without getting spit on. Hope that doesn't happen to y'all. I don't think it will. Uh, as to the historic nature of your appointment, I understand, but when I get lectured about this from my Democratic colleagues, I remember Janice Rogers Brown, an African-American woman. It was filibustered by the same people praising you. I remember, remember Miguel Estrada, one of the finest people I ever met. Completely wiped out. Didn't make it through the uh, uh, gang of uh, 14, whatever gang I was in. I've been in so many, I can't remember. He, he didn't make the cut. Lindsey Graham. Well-lived life just completely ruined. So if you're Hispanic or African-American conservative, it's about your philosophy. Now it's going to be about the historic nature of the pick. Now it's going to be about your philosophy. The bottom line here is when it is about philosophy, when it's somebody of color on our side, it's about we're all racist if we ask hard questions. It's not going to fly with us. We're used to it by now, at least I am. So it's not going to matter a bit to any of us. We're going to ask you what we think you need to be asked. And Senator Hawley, you need to ask her about her record as a uh, district court judge. You should. I hope you do. And we'll see what she says. Very fair game. Uh, now, President Biden had a choice here. And he has every right to make it. Elections have consequences. He had many qualified African-American women to choose from. He chose you. Michelle Childs, a district court judge from South Carolina, supported by Jim Clyburn. That was in the mix. I think it came down to about two, three, four people. Don't know for sure, but that's what the press was reporting. And uh, when it came to Judge Childs, uh, this Arabella group, Senator Whitehouse, you talk about dark money, you may be on to something. Uh, this Arabella group is funded by Soros and some other liberal Arabella. Media. They got so many groups within their group, I can't name them all now. But they basically said, if you, if you pick Childs, you may have a primary opponent. Wow. The FLCIO said Justice, Judge Child was a union buster. The attacks from the left against Judge Childs was really pretty vicious, to be honest with you. So you say uh, 
Judge Jackson, you don't have any judicial philosophy per se. Well, somebody on the left believes you do. Or they wouldn't have spent the money they spent to have you in this chair. So we're going to find out how that statement pulls up over time. A viewer's guide to this hearing. She will be asked about her sentencing practices as a uh, district court judge, and she'll have a chance to explain her reasoning, and you can make up for yourself what this means, but it's good to be asked. Uh, about her legal views, I'll ask her about the law of armed conflict and her view of the law of armed conflict. The fact that you represent a Gitmo detainees is not a problem with me. Everybody deserves a lawyer. You're doing their country a great service when you defend the most unpopular people. But I do want to know about your amicus briefs after you're no longer a defense counsel weighing into the Supreme Court about how they decide law of war issues. That matters a lot to me. I think it does matter that the groups that came to your aid at the expense of Judge Childs, how, how did that happen and why were they doing what they were doing? Yeah. What is it about your nomination that the most liberal people under umbrella of Arabella threw in their money, their time, their support, and threatened uh, Joe Biden if he picked uh, Judge Childs? I want to know more about that. I want to know about your judicial philosophy. She doesn't have one, Lindsay. People on the left the far extreme part of the left believe that you were the best bet. That's a completely fair and rational thing to ask. She says she doesn't have a philosophy, yet you've got millions of dollars pouring in to destroy another candidate and threaten uh, elected officials with primary opponents in order to get the woman without a philosophy. That's what we're to believe. I don't believe that. I believe she does have a judicial philosophy. It's Calvin Ball where the rules get made up whenever they need to be made up differently in order to advance whatever agenda is in fashion at that moment. That's it. That's I suspect that's going to be the philosophy that wins, at least with this one. I don't know what's happening with the music. I suspect it's maybe, I, I, yeah, I don't know. All right, news is next.